Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Sign up using our link and receive a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you get a free T-shirt. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win. That's W-Y-N-N for a $500 risk-free bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and bettors, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, betting that's legal in 40 states, and you sign up at bettoredge.com with the promo code SGP and get a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, betteredge.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchup pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reeves. Oh yeah, we are back in off of a national championship beat down by Alabama off of a weekend in the NFL Super Wild Cards. First time ever six wild card games instead of four where the road team ended up winning four of them and time and again, the underdog came through whether it was the likes of the LA Rams in Seattle, the Baltimore Ravens in Tennessee, and even that Sunday night shocker as the Cleveland Browns. For the first time since 1995, the Cleveland Browns have a playoff win. Actually, 94, 26 years that the Browns got a playoff win beating the Pittsburgh Steelers the other night. Well, the dog is just howling. The underdog howling last weekend. Will it continue here as part of Three Dog Thursday? Welcome in. I am simply the somewhat lucid, somewhat capable host. I will tell you up front on the podcast, I'm geeked. I'm amped for a lot of conversation about the Bucs. And the New Orleans Saints, third meeting between the two, and this time it's for real, right? We always used to hear that in the wrestling promos, the boxing promos. This time it's for real. This time it means win or go home for both teams. New Orleans is favored. The Bucs and Brady come rolling in, trying to advance to the NFC Championship game. So much to talk about with that game coming up. All right, let me set the table for you. First of all, if you've not subscribed to this podcast, why not? Do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you found us. Social media link through the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows, through their website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. However and wherever you found us, subscribe to the show because it comes automatically to you. Stitcher on a Google podcast, on uh, Radio Public, on anywhere else that you have podcasts, 
Find us on Three Dog Thursday and subscribe. It comes automatically to you. Again, thousands and thousands of you have already done so. The December numbers are in, and we once again grew exponentially. So a lot of you are finding us. A lot of you are subscribing. Keep doing it. Keep rating and reviewing us, by the way, on Three Dog Thursday. And right off the bat, I'll make the pledge here at the beginning of the podcast. Screenshot a rating, uh, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, right now, send it to us. Send it to us on our social media at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter. I'll timestamp it. The first two of you that send me a screenshot will get you a free T-shirt from Smack Apparel on uh, on their website to get in your opponent's face for the divisional round of the playoffs, the upcoming championship games in the NFC and the AFC and the Super Bowl. They've got Alabama shirts after the championship win over Ohio State from Smack Apparel. So the, the next two of you, the first two that hear me and the next two of you that send it on to Three Dog Thursday in the mentions with a screenshot of you rating and reviewing the podcast, free Smack Apparel shirt for you from our sponsor, Smack Apparel. Just go ahead and take care of that. So I'm getting that out of the way right here at the beginning of the podcast. But in any event, subscribe. It comes automatically to you on Thursdays. You get the best in info and underdog picks right here as part of Three Dog Thursday. And we're proud to be uh, partnered up with the Sports Gambling Podcast and their ne- and their network of shows. Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, and company. I was a guest with them midweek as well on the Sports Gambling Podcast talking up Bucks and Saints. So obviously there's a lot of interest in what's going to happen with Brady, Breeze, uh, etc. All right, so further setting the table. Brian Edwards, our senior handicapper, will be back uh, here with us again this week in the opening segment. We'll put a bow on Alabama's beatdown, 52 to 24 over Ohio State. I picked it as a 20-point game on Monday night before it happened. 41-21, it ended up being a 28-point blowout by the Tide. A coronation for them. Once again, we will question forever why Ohio State was gifted into that position with only six wins going into the championship game off of starting the season late as the Big Ten did. Alabama whooped them and whooped them like I and many others thought they would just having watched Alabama play. Again, I got the privilege of seeing them firsthand on national radio on Compass Media Networks with Tiki Barber doing national games of their wins over Georgia and Mississippi State and Auburn. And I finally looked at Tiki Barber in the Auburn game as they were blowing them out and said, who beats these guys? Well, it turns out nobody does. They beat Florida the next time out in the SEC title game. They beat Notre Dame in the semifinal, and then they whacked Ohio State as well. Florida came the closest to to maybe beating them, at least challenged them in the second half of their game. But Alabama never trailed in the fourth quarter of any game down the stretch of the season. They beat everybody, it seemed like, with the exception of Florida, by at least 15 or 20 points, including Notre Dame, including Ohio State in the final two. So what a job by Nick Saban, those players. Brian and I will talk more about Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. My Lord, did he have a first half. We'll have some more insight into why that is and get Brian's thoughts. Uh, Brian will put a bow on uh, all of it with Alabama and all the bets that he had for the final game of the year. Uh, Brian will also want to talk a little bit about the blockbuster NBA trade involving James Harden happening on Wednesday afternoon as we are putting Three Dog Thursday together. Before the podcast, so we'll stay NBA relevant. I'll, I'll say to you, the audience, we're going to talk more college basketball in the coming weeks. That is my my biggest love is the college hoop season. I love the NFL. I work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the college hoop season, baby, is in full swing. Saw what Michigan did the other night to Wisconsin. How about Alabama goes in after Kentucky had righted the ship? Kentucky such an awful, historically bad start. What one in five, one in six, whatever Calipari's team was. They righted the ship. They won three. Games 
games in a row, and Alabama came in and whacked them, torched them the other night at Rupp Arena. So the college hoops, uh, off and rolling and, and fun to watch and see. I know they've got madness and mayhem, not March Madness, but mayhem with the COVID-19 uh, testing and the positive tests and games being postponed or canceled or paused and programs having to stop practice and stop games. It is widespread. They're trying to engage with player safety. I don't know what the rest of the regular season is going to look like uh, here with games that are on and then they're not on. I mean, you got some programs like my alma mater, Memphis, that hasn't played in a week and a half because of COVID-19 with the other programs that they were slated to play. Uh, you know, I know Florida State's had difficulty with playing games. Villanova's had difficulty with playing games and having to pause. So we'll see if it can resume for college hoops. But this show will be much more about college basketball as we go along. In the middle segment of this edition of the podcast, our YouTube roundtable will be here. Special guests include Mike Neighbors, Cox Sports Television, CSTV in Louisiana. Nobody has more insight on the Saints. Uh, We'll see what the battlers from the Big Easy have for this matchup with the Buccaneers. Mike will give you insight on Drew Brees. He interviews him every week as part of their Cox Sports Television uh, post-game coverage and Breeze's interview off the win over the Bears last week. How might that game have been different with the Bears had they hit the trick play, the bomb from Trubisky on the double reverse, and, and uh, Wims dropped it in the end zone? It might have been a different game. New Orleans kind of uh, they slept walk at times through that game. Uh, the Alvin Kamara uh, fumble right in front of a defensive lineman who doesn't jump on it. It's going to be their ball with a, with a great chance to get a touchdown. New Orleans finally put the game away in the second half in the fourth quarter, and the Saints will now host the Bucs. The Bucs had trouble putting away the Washington football team with a losing record, but that was that was more, I think, of a team taking their foot off the gas, leading 18-7 to a little bit, playing down to the level of the competition in the second half, and then doing enough to win. But Tom Brady was fantastic fantastic once again in a playoff setting this time in buccaneer red and pewter instead of new england blue and gray uh amazing to watch him down this final stretch of the season folks i get the privilege of being on the radio broadcast again for the buccaneers and i've been at field level for several of these home games he still got it at 43 years of age the questions are over about whether he can still throw the ball down the field with all the weapons uh, etc so we're anxious about bucks and saints so much more to talk about cleveland with that historic playoff win buffalo gets a playoff win for the first time since the mid uh, 1990s the rams win in seattle with jared Goff with the injured thumb didn't matter they still gutted it out playing d and running the ball and Goff throwing it enough to beat the seahawks who had won 12 regular season games Amazing. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens get some revenge on the Titans, beating them in Tennessee. I mean, it was fun just to watch all of this uh, unfold on the wildcard weekend. We'll talk more with Mike Neighbors of Cox Sports Television, and Tyler Jones will be in the mix as well. Tyler with the Jones Report podcast has been based out of Kansas City. He'll be on the move now, taking a new television opportunity in Omaha, Nebraska, with Gray Television and their 24-hour news service uh, all over the country. So uh, Tyler will be on the uh, the YouTube roundtable in the middle segment with Mike Neighbors. Tyler will have a lot on the Chiefs. The Chiefs playing Sunday against Cleveland as a double-digit favorite. Do we dare take the Browns as a double-digit doggy? We'll talk more about that coming up on the program. All right, so it's good to get back to the football. By the way, there's a, there's a, a lot out there about stats and trends. One thing I'll make mention of, the Saints-Bucks game is a third meeting and if a team wins the first two meetings, 
it greatly has favored them to go ahead and win three times in the same season. In fact, the last three times in this situation in the NFL playoffs, the team winning the first two games has gone on to win the third game as well. The Saints were the latest team to do it. They did it back three years ago against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. Breeze and company beat them twice in the regular season, then beat them decisively as well at the Superdome in the playoffs. The previous two times it also happened, uh, one of those involved the Dallas Cowboys beating the Philadelphia Eagles uh, three times in one year as well. And there was also another occasion um, for that. That was in 2008 for another season in which a team was able to win three times uh, in one year. Uh, I will double check and find that one as well. Uh, yes, 2008, it was the Steelers over the Baltimore Ravens that year with Big Ben. They won the two regular season wins, and then they hosted Baltimore and beat them as well. Now, that being said, there have been occasions where a team has come through. 2007 is the last time the Giants lost the first two games to the Dallas Cowboys. Romo and the Cowboys, I believe, were 13-3 and that year. They were the two-seed in the NFC playoffs, and the Giants beat my Buccaneers in the opening game on the wildcard weekend and then beat the Cowboys after the Cowboys had beaten them the first two times. And then, my Lord, Eli Manning turns around and beats Brett Favre and the Packers in overtime at Lambeau and then beats the New England Patriots at 18-0 with Strahan, with Plaxico Burris, Tom Coughlin, the coach. That Giants team in 07 went on quite a run, and they beat the Cowboys after the Cowboys had beaten them both times that year. Uh, also in 2004, I know we're going back 16 years ago now, the, the Vikings with Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss and company beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. That's the game where Moss famously faked like he was putting his pants down uh, in the end zone after a touchdown to moon the Packer fans. The moon was over Minnesota as they beat the Packers for the first time after the Packers beat them twice in the regular season in the 4 playoffs. So two times in this millennium, it has happened. It also happened three times in the 1990s where Jake Plummer and the Cardinals, Jake the Snake, beat the Cowboys of Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and company in 1998 uh, with that playoff win. Cardinals had lost the first two to the Cowboys, beat them in Dallas in 1998. And also the Chicago Bears defeated the Minnesota Vikings in 1994 uh, with Steve Walsh and the Bears, Dave Wonstadt and the Bears having lost the two matchups to the Vikings in the regular season to Warren Moon and company. That was pre-Randy Moss, but the Bears beat them uh, that year in the third matchup in the playoffs. Also, the 92 Chargers beat the 92 Chiefs after having lost to them twice in the regular season. So since 1992, I know we're going back 28 years, it has happened five times. More regularly, the team with the two wins has won it. So more than likely, the Saints should be favored and the Saints are supposed to win. But it's not as if this has never happened with the Bucs being able on the third matchup to get payback on the New Orleans Saints. We'll see if that's the case. More on that with our guest coming up in the conversation. What do we say we get to it here on Three Dog Thursday? Let's talk a lot of college football with Alabama being number one yet again. Roll Tide, my Lord with the job that Nick Saban has done. We'll get into that with Brian Edwards, our YouTube roundtable guest, Mike. Neighbors and also Tyler Jones will have thoughts on Saban and Alabama. Lots of NFL underdog talk, lots of NFL divisional playoff round talk, all of that upcoming on the show.
Indeed, fresh off of Alabama smoking Ohio State for yet another national title. That, some NFL underdogs later, and even some NBA conversation is about to happen. He's here from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Let's welcome back senior handicapper Brian Edwards to Three Dog Thursday. Uh, my friend, good to have you. Uh, I, I think we both pretty well believed that Alabama was going to win and win convincingly. I know, as I said before you came on in the opening part of Three Dog Thursday here, I thought it would be a 20-point win. I said so on social media. I thought 41-21. So it did not surprise me that they hammered Ohio State. They've won the title. So welcome in. Give me your thoughts now that we've digested uh, another Alabama and Nick Saban victory in the college football playoff. Yeah, just total uh, domination. Um, one of the best, I mean, I, I, you know, I hate when people use like recency to determine, especially when talking in big conversations like about all-time greats, but I really think that last year's LSU and this year's Alabama are probably the two greatest offenses of all time and or my lifetime, I feel like they are. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I had, I did my normal thing with Bama, First quarter, first half game, team total over first uh, half in game. But I did many, not do it. How many well, tickets? First off, the first, how many tickets did you cash when it was all said and done from the Tide Monday well, night in Miami? Quite a few, but the first quarter was a heartbreaker. You know, they had to um, win, or they had to be ahead by at least one, and it was seven to seven, and they got stopped there on second and third and goal, just a bit short of the goal line. So. First quarter bets on Ohio, Ohio State won in, in what I thought was pretty uh, shocking fashion, getting two stops inside the five there. But, yeah, it was a good night, but I had, no, it wasn't a great. I, I've, I've had more heavier amounts on Bama probably five or six times this year than I did the other night just out of a healthy respect for Ohio State. So it was a good night, but it wasn't just – fabulous like I wish it was well you you had been preaching in particular first half line as much as anything and what did it end up they they covered the last eight or was it even the last nine, nine? the last nine with yeah. the championship game which just tells you that either either the odds makers the uh, the line setters in Vegas and and online digitally could never get a feel for what should that number be or they or they just over and over again, uh, you know, bowed to Alabama. And, and, and even though they had a feel and had trends, Alabama just bettered it over and over again with the line. What, what did the first half line end up being for the other night? Well, it, it moved up. Uh, now, it got to uh, six. Um, what they tried to start doing was putting uh, a price on it, you know, like a minus 140 to kind of limit the amounts people would risk. Um but, uh, I mean, they, they got it, you know, it was four initially on the Sunday night previous, and, and it, it went all the way to six. Um, and the first half was originally like minus one half at minus 130 juice, and eventually it got all the way to minus three, um, which actually I, I preferred with the less juice, you know, because they're going to win, it's gonna, right. you know, unless somebody misses an extra point, you're going to be ahead by three. So let me ask you this, though. Where was it hovering in the semifinal? Where was it hovering in the SEC title game? Because it really would have surprised me that they didn't at least start to venture to six, seven, eight points for the minus, trying to get some action on the other side of this. Right. Well, well on the Notre Dame game for the semifinals, uh, it moved – 
to 11, you know, from like 10 and a half initially to 11 or, or 12, gotcha. I had some money gotcha. at 11. So I was kind of sweating that push on the Notre Dame field goal in the last play, which would have been a loser if you had it at minus 12. Uh, for the Florida game, which is one of the few games I didn't bet Alabama in the first half, uh, I, I want to say it was like 10 and a half or 11, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so that's just interesting on the first half line. Uh, let's go over a couple of more things that I was talking about. I, I thought it was fascinating. We have preached about Devontae Smith over and over again on this Three Dog Thursday podcast. And again, you can make fun of Ohio State all you want, but this is more about how amazing he did in, in the context of two things. They have coached him up unbelievably. Keep in mind, this is the young man that caught the winning overtime touchdown, the walk-off touchdown in the uh, college football playoff championship game four years ago, three calendar years ago. Um, and, and now he has blossomed into arguably maybe the second pick in the NFL draft. You could make the argument the Jets should take a, take a strong look at him. So two things, the development at the individual skill level since being there at Alabama, his route running, the ability to get open, that's amazing. And then how Steve Sarkeesian continued to use him. As I was saying before you came on, I had never seen those two uh, red zone plays where they send him in motion and have him pivot back and be wide open. They saved that for the championship game. They hadn't used it. I worked three Alabama games on national radio with Tiki Barber this year. They never used that or a formation like that. They didn't use it in the SEC title game that I watched against Florida. They didn't use it against Notre Dame. He was saving that. The creativity of the offense also benefited Devontae Smith big time, did it not, Brian? And that's why it was uh, to the point of almost being absurd that Ohio State could not cover him. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, agree with all of that. I mean, I mean, he his route running and his just fundamentals and mental, you know, approach is, is like on a Jerry Rice type level. Yeah. I mean, he still needs to put on some muscle, you know, for the NFL. But man, I, I think that he is gonna, you know, be a, a ten-time Pro Bowler. I don't think that going to the next level is gonna slow him down. I don't know. I don't know that I'll say rubber stamp ten-time Pro Bowler. Let's get him to a couple of them. But uh, sure. let me give you let me give you a reference point because you're a Gator guy and 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 longtime fans of college football will remember those Gators of Steve Spurrier, those Gator teams that had Danny Warfel had a receiver named Redell Anthony, who later played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think he knocked around with one or two more teams at the end. And Redell was an explosive player, as you know, Brian, after the catch, could get open. But here's the, here's the thing. It never translated to the NFL because he didn't know how to run routes, exactly what you just said. He wasn't physical. So if you don't know how to run routes and you're not physical, you're not going to be able to get open over and over again in the NFL. And he washed out as any kind of a threat in the NFL. I don't foresee that with Devontae Smith. They may be able to be physical with him at the line, but he's going to have opportunity after opportunity because of how fast he is and how precise he is with the routes. It's going to be tough for NFL DBs to constantly hang with him and not have him get open. Yeah, and he, and he never drops the ball. And, yeah, you know, and Quezzy Green, now he had the limitation with size from that 96 team. He, he didn't pan out in the pros with the, with the Bucks as well. Now, Ike Hilliard did, but he had a bad neck injury, and he wasn't quite as good in the pros. But, I mean, he, he still lasted with the Giants eight or nine years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith, his mental approach is, is of, a, you know, a 12-year NFL veteran right in the second. And, again, it's a testament to what Alabama's coaching staff has been able to do the game that Sarkeesian called, 
again, they were just, they were all over it. And, and we've seen, I mean, the sledgehammer running game, Najee Harris, Ohio State didn't have any answers for that. All right, so on our YouTube roundtable coming up, Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider, we're going to talk much more about Saban's place in history, but I want you to join in right now for that. Seven national titles, six of them and counting now at Alabama, all six of those coming, what, in the last 12 seasons. Uh, just incredible how this has unfolded. What are, what are your thoughts now that he gets another one uh, on Monday, this past Monday night? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's the greatest ever. I mean, you can't um, you can't dispute that, um, especially with the natty count. I mean, you know, my boy Steve Spurrier is uh, three and one straight up, four and zero oh against the spread, head to head with him with a combined score of one hundred forty to fifty four. But it, outside of that, I don't think anybody can say anything negative about saves. Uh, yeah, he's incredible, and I wish the hell he would retire soon. But I don't think it's happening for any. I don't. I don't think it's happening in the next three. Yeah, nah. it's probably not last. Not there last was, hey, there. I'm with Damn you. There was, there was a time. I didn't mean to interrupt. There was a time that I believed he would probably say enough is enough at age 68, age 69. Go do television for a few years, fade off. I don't see that right now. I mean, the way no. that they locked in uh, this year and won again, uh, it's amazing. And again, you can mention that Urban Meyer won three of these: two with Florida, one with Ohio State. Dabo Sweeney had piled up. Uh, a couple of national title wins here in the mix with Alabama, and Dabo's going to be around for a while. But two for Dabo, three for Urban is not seven for Nick Saban. I mean, it is what it is with the numbers, uh, with what he's been able to do. And again, more on that on the YouTube roundtable. One more fascinating thing about this, and then I know you want to move on to the James Harden situation that has broken at the time that we're taping for Three Dog Thursday with his trade from the Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but you had something interesting that's being posed about this year's 2020 Alabama, last year's 2019 uh, uh, all-time astronomical offense behind Joe Burrow for LSU and that national title team. Tell me more about how you think these two teams stack up. Yeah, so my, my buddy Ben Fox over at Beeson, he used to be with ESPN Chalk, uh, he, he tweeted, uh, yes, or I'm sorry, day before yesterday, that uh, – he texted four bookmakers about a hypothetical spread between 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama, and he got uh, four different responses. One was Alabama minus three. The other was Bama minus two and a half. The other one was Pickham. The other one was LSU minus three. And I think if, if, if I had been a fifth person he texted, I think I probably would have said Pickham. Um, I, I, you know, uh, I think I would probably prefer Joe, Joe Burrow to Mac Jones, but um I don't know. God, we could have we could do a three hour show on that matchup. Mm. Uh, it would be great fun. Um, wish we we could have seen them play, but uh, what we did with a hurt Tua uh, last year at LSU won. Very true, and uh, you know, keep in mind that uh, you know that Mac Jones is part now of a of of a triangle that he came to Alabama with Jalen Hurts there with Tua showing up. And all three of them end up winning national titles for Alabama. It's remarkable. Um, and I don't know yeah. that Mac Jones is going to translate into the NFL. We've, we've documented this as well, that with the recent quarterbacks like A.J. McCarron or McElroy before him that aren't necessarily the dual threat, uh, I, I don't know that Mac Jones is going to translate. But, man, my God, did he just uh, pump the numbers, uh, the, the passing Ooh. output, and he was he – was, 
quite the uh, the trigger for all of that offense. There is there is no doubt that he was able to uh, help them over and over and over again, and their defense was good enough against Ohio State to have the answers um, in that one. That's for sure. All right. Uh, so there's the college football being put to bed. Uh, obviously, the NFL playoffs will be big, and Brian is going to be back later on talking playoffs. But before we get there, you said to me before we punch the record button, we got to talk about this NBA seismic trade. They are still sorting out at the time that we're talking about. Was it 573 players and 29 draft picks? How, I mean, James <laughs> Harden has gone to the Brooklyn Nets. Sort it out for me because apparently four number one picks and some players are eventually coming back to the Houston Rockets, correct? Give me the breakdown of the trade and what you think about it, Brian. Well, so, uh, you know, James Harden goes to Brooklyn where there are not going to be enough balls to go around. We've got the mercurial Kyrie Irving uh, you know, I mean, how, how are Irving and Durant going to react to possessions where Harden dribbles 15 to 20 <laughs> times, doesn't think about passing, and takes a, a 35-footer? I mean, you've got Kyrie acting like a jackass as usual right now, and, and now you bring on another high-volume shooter that doesn't play any defense, and you give up on a guy – and Jared Allen, who, you know, right. he was only at Texas one year, and I, I want to say this is his third year in the pros. The sky's the limit for this big guy. He's got a good perimeter jumper. He's going to add more muscle. And so the rest of the trade, uh, they lose Karis Levert, who I think is a hell of a player, and then they get the Cavs uh, involved. The Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince, who's a decent player, and the Rockets get four first-round picks and four draft swaps now, but three of the first, uh, three of the four first-round picks are in the twenties. But like you said to me, I'm sure they could package them and move up. Right. But I, it's not like you're getting three franchise cornerstones in the top ten. You know, we we're talking in the twenties, uh, and it, I don't know why. And so the Rockets are flipping Karis LeVert to the Pacers for Victor Oladipo uh, and his expiring contract. So you just kind of wonder if they're, you know, going to try to maybe trade Oladipo before the deadline, somebody that wants an expiring contract, or just let him bolt and have more, um, right. you know, draft, uh, or, or I'm sorry, salary cap space. So there's a lot of stuff uh, going into it. But the big thing is I think Brooklyn gave up so much, and I just don't I just don't know how the chemistry is going to work. All and, right, and so you, let's – I mean, you're losing out on LaVert and Jared Allen. Okay. Yeah, very true. All right, so let's go over a couple of things. I, I believe, world according to TJ, Durant's fingerprints are all over this because, again, he was with Harden previously at Oklahoma City, blah, blah, blah. I, I think this is Durant approving of this and wanting this, and there's a lot of evidence to support that, that Durant is essentially like what LeBron has been now for years, the de facto GM. And your thought, not only on that, but does this mean maybe that Kyrie Irving isn't going to be involved, to your point about you, you, how many shots, how yeah. many touches can you have, is this meaning that they don't think Kyrie will be back? Are they going to deal Kyrie Irving next? You know, what, Does he have a no trade and can veto it? So on point one, how much of this is Durant wanting Harden? And, and point two, will Irving maybe no longer be part of the equation in Brooklyn? What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I think KD's handprints are all over it, like you said. And I think, I mean, you, you're an idiot if you're not the Brooklyn front office and looking to get rid of Kyrie. I mean, year one, and first off, think about how much money you're paying this guy. Year one, just without KD, he just decides, I'm going to uh, shut it down with a shoulder surgery, even though they were totally going to make the playoffs. I mean, right. you know, what? what is that nonsense? And then this year, whatever the hell that dude's got going on with all his media social media posts and his bs i mean he's just a, a hard to handle guy I, I would think they're trying to get rid of him but i you know i don't know uh, as our as our radio analyst on buccaneers radio dave moore who played 15 years tight end in the nfl he said this throughout his nfl playing career and since then here's the thing about knuckleheads they don't know how to be anything other than knuckleheads this is real profound brian and at the worst possible time guess what they are Knuckleheads. Knuckleheads. And so you're yes. looking at you're looking at Kyrie Irving in this situation. That yes, he was part of that epic championship win with LeBron in Cleveland, but that's also five seasons ago. So what's going on here? And is he even part of the equation? Is he just a knucklehead that they will look to deal away? And there's the same argument about Harden being out of shape. And is he a knucklehead too, or is maybe yeah. he going to snap into it now that he's with Brooklyn and with Durant? Uh, okay, but let's bring it to what you do before we get out of here in this segment. How much more odds-making-wise of a contender does this make Brooklyn to you? Let's say there is no Kyrie in the equation, that this is part of a bigger plan, that he's not in the equation. It's Durant and Harden as the one-two. How much bigger of a contender does it make the Nets? What do you say from an odds-making standpoint in the East? Well, I am TJ. I'm not certain what the Nets' odds were, right. you know, yesterday or the day before. But I, I know the Westgate has sent out their updated odds, and it's now Lakers two to one favorites, and the Nets are seven to two or, or plus three fifty, risk a hundred to win three fifty, and then it's Clippers Bucks at eight to one. So there's officially what the books have done. It, but you're asking me. Yep. I think they are much less of a contender considering that Spencer Dinwiddie is out for the year. You no longer have Karis LeVert. You no longer have Jarrett Allen. And um, wh- who the hell knows with, with Kyrie. <laughs> and and then you've got Harden has got to develop chemistry with these new guys. Uh, they're probably not going to like him. Who, who likes high-volume shooters that don't play defense? Nobody. Yeah, and he's been he's been passed around like I like to say, like the offering played at church at this point uh, to different teams, uh, trying to figure it out. All right, so a little NBA conversation here as well on the podcast, and we'll mix in some college basketball in the coming couple of weeks because the NFL football is about to dwindle here. Obviously, we'll talk a bunch on next week's show about the NFC and AFC championship game, but you and I are going to start analyzing and talking college hoops because post Super Bowl, this becomes a college hoop podcast. For the, for the month of March and into the Final Four, uh, et cetera. So I look forward to that. Brian, hang in there. We've got our YouTube roundtable coming up straight ahead. Brian will be back to make some underdog assessments out of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs coming up. Uh, first up, though, Mike Neighbors will be here from Cox Sports TV in Louisiana for the Saints and the Bucks. Tyler Jones, my buddy back from the Midwest, Kansas, the Jones Report and everything on the Chiefs. They're coming up straight ahead here with the YouTube roundtable as we roll on. 
But first, let's talk about our friends at WinBet. Do you want to win a $500 risk-free bet? Well, you can get that right now just by signing up through Sports Gambling Podcast and our partnership with WinBet. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N to find out more information on WinBet. Currently online in New Jersey, Colorado, and Michigan coming soon with more states on the way. You've got an opportunity again to get a risk-free bet with our friends at WinBet, and we'll be telling you more about the WinBet lines on Three Dog Thursday for the divisional round of the playoff games coming up in a little bit. Also, you've got a chance with your first win bet to get a free t-shirt from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Just screenshot that first bet with WinBet and email it to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and get a free SGP merchandise t-shirt. Again, screenshot your first bet with WinBet to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Get free t-shirts from us when you make that first bet with WinBet. Again, if WinBet isn't active in your state, you still get the free shirt just by referring a friend to it as well. So again, take advantage. Find out more. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash win. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N. We are also brought to you in part by BetterThan.Vegas. It's an all-new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. It's like YouTube, but it's for what the DGENs only care about. Of course, the DGENs only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on BetterThan.Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball nba will be here soon as well if the free video picks aren't enough they're giving away cash one thousand dollars to the handicapper that wins the most units and a thousand dollars to the handicapper that has the most followers make sure you subscribe on the sports gambling podcast network page sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv better than vegas btv sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv so you don't miss out on any of these videos head over to better than dot vegas that's better than dot vegas to see more we are also brought to you in part by Betor Edge, the stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions just like the stock market. And the best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. And since you're buying the positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. You can play for money in up to 40 states right now. And we have a weekly contest going from our listeners as part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. And a weekly contest going on right now with Better Edge. And that's especially for the NFC and AFC divisional rounds of the playoffs this weekend. $10 to enter, and each user starts with a balance of 1000 to wager on multiple events. The player with the highest earnings will take the entire pool of all the entry fees in that divisional playoff round contest that they have going on right now with Better Edge. So sign up today for this contest at BetterEdge.com. Use our promo code SGP and get the free $10 bet. That's BetterEdge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, slash SGP. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sportsbook but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... 
Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. And the roundtable edition of Three Dog Thursday is up and rolling. And whether you're just hearing us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, come see the roundtable on YouTube by searching Three Dog Thursday and see my guests, my dudes that are hanging out. Uh, He is Mike Neighbors. Love Mike's work with Cox Sports Television. Known Mike probably going on, good Lord, what, 20, 25 years He's actually been based in and around the Tampa Bay area, done a bunch of stuff, but we primarily have him here to talk Saints and some college football. Uh, My uh, sideline brother from another mother, again, Mike Neighbors, does a lot of different sideline work with a lot of different entities. How are you feeling? How are things? I am great. Uh, I'm amazed we had a football season, both NFL and uh, college. I give a lot of credit to a lot of people, but I'm thankful. How about you? I absolutely am, and I know another man that is thankful the same kind of way is Tyler Jones. Tyler Jones live back with me. The Jones Report is his podcast, and Tyler, he is a traveling man. He's commuting back and forth from Texas to Nebraska, from Nebraska back to Texas. What do you got going on since last we talked? You're like moving up in the world uh, right now, uh, you sports media king. (laughs) Oh, man, TJ, always a pleasure having you uh, being on the uh, show. And actually, the process of moving to uh, Omaha right now, taking a position with uh, Great Television for their new uh, national news network, Local News Live, which launches on January 20th. And uh, we'll be available on Amazon and, and uh, Apple TV and Roku and all your streaming devices. So certainly getting ready for that. And uh, also still enjoying the uh, football season. Now, like you guys said, the Corona Bros did everything they could to stop this football season from happening. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, we got through and. And uh, these NFL playoffs, you know, for my Kansas City fans, as I think Kansas City fans should be. Yeah, I think Kansas City fans are going to be fired up. And, yes, the NFL marched through the first playoff weekend, and the college football playoff did come off. They did play it uh, on their schedule, on their timeline, including the championship game. Let's pick it up right there um, and and jump right in because, obviously – the the debate right now after Alabama smashed Ohio State the other night, I think most everybody believed outside of the state of Ohio that Alabama was going to win that game. They did. So I don't think we have to cover that a ton. The tie did what we what, what we thought they would do. Let's talk big picture perspective here. And as I share the screen, there is Nick Saban having won now six national titles at Alabama, having also won one at LSU. Uh, Mike, by the way, covered the Crimson Tide for several years in the 1990s and has some uh, insight. But, Mike, give me a thought here just real quick on Saban and his place in history. Some are arguing that he's the greatest college coach of all time. It's tough to argue he's got more hardware than Bear Bryant or anybody else now. Yeah, I don't know how you, how you argue against that. I mean, Bear Bryant obviously was a legend. And when I worked in Tuscaloosa, TJ, my first year was 1992. I didn't see him lose for a year and a half because Gene Stallings took him to a national title. But at that time in Tuscaloosa, every restaurant, everywhere you walked in, there was a framed picture of Bear Bryant and he'll forever be a legend. 
but Nick Saban's a, a better head coach than Bear Bryant because I think during these times, Bear Bryant didn't have to deal with all the things that Nick Saban has to deal with. I mean, the transfer portals, uh, all these crazy social media deals with athletes, uh, this ever-changing landscape, it was more traditional with Bear Bryant. You give Bear Bryant credit for being obviously ahead of his time in recruiting black athletes and being an innovator at many levels, but I think Nick Saban, how do you argue that he's the best of all time? And, and I think the big question is, how long is he going to keep this up? I mean, I can see him going maybe another five years. Can he do another five years? And if he goes five years, is that at least three more titles? And if he does that, I don't know how anybody ever catches him. I hate using the word never in sports, but that's going to be really tough. Good, good way to put all of that. All right, Tyler, a quick response from you here on Saban, his place in history. It's tough to argue with all the trophies and the rings, right? Oh, no question about it. I never thought that we would get to this point in college football, but we're starting to talk about Nick Saban's dominance in college football in the same breath that we would give credit to Gino Ariema in women's college basketball or Pat Summit. That's how much this guy is dominating college football. And the ratings are even showing it with uh, less people watching the national championship game than the semifinals. Even people are getting some Alabama Nick Saban fatigue of sorts right now with how much that they've been dominating. And, you know, we, we heard a couple of years ago, all the rumblings of all oh, the dynasties over, you know, Clemson's arrived. Here's Dabo Sweeney. Now Georgia's here. Now LSU's here. Oklahoma with their innovative offense with Lincoln Riley. But time and time again, Nick Saban has adapted and adjusted, whether you made him do the BCS formula, whether you made him do the college football playoff, uh, whether you, you know, went to 10 SEC games, whatever it may be, Nick Saban has not been afraid to change the offense. Uh, you know, he, he ran, you know, an I formation, uh, you know, pro style offense several years ago. And now he was one of the last off- holdouts. If I can interject, yeah. he was one of the, and Mike, you know, this too. He was one of the last holdouts on, we're not going to do the spread. We're not going to do the tempo stuff. Arguing and then he player looked, safety and all that. Sure. Yeah. And then he looked around at the landscape of, <laughs> if I want to keep up with recruiting, we got to run the spread. We got to go four wide and at times five wide. And we got to run the tempo thing to get players and the best coaches in any sport are the ones that are able to adapt and adjust uh, throughout the course of their strategy, their recruiting in college, things like that. The ones that can, you, you see what the result is because man, oh man, Al- Alabama is now playing that way. Can we not agree at the, at the highest level, they're playing as well or better than anybody playing the way that they used to lament, used to say, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. Now they play as well or better than everybody doing that. Right, Mike? I'm not going to give Mac Jones the best college team ever, even though I give him a ton of credit, everybody on that team, for what they did playing all those SEC games during COVID. But you're right. I mean, the way that Nick Saban has operated, and it doesn't seem that long ago when he was pushing back against these offenses and sub-tempo stuff, but it just shows you what a great head coach he is because I think a lot of guys who are defensive-minded coaches, they can't adjust. And he adjusted very quickly. And I think what's remarkable about Saban is, yeah, he's done a great job in Tuscaloosa, but winning the title at LSU is equally as impressive because think about LSU before Nick Saban, irrelevant. Jerry DiNardo, uh, you know, Curly Hallman. I'll go Mike down. Archer, I mean, Mike Florida, Archer. Yes. Mike okay. Archer. I mean, when, when they beat Florida in 1997, the year after the Gators won the national championship, it was a huge upset. Now you don't think twice about LSU beating Florida. He changed the culture at LSU 
And he did what not many people thought you could do is kind of amplify things. And Alabama, think about it. Before Nick Saban got there, isn't this amazing? They never had a Heisman Trophy winner, and now they have three. That, and that's an incredible testament, again, to what they have brought in uh, yeah. with the talent level there and, and Devontae Smith, et cetera. You're hearing the voice there of Mike Neighbors. Love his insight. Cox Sports Television in New Orleans. Mike does a bunch of different freelance stuff in and around the New Orleans Saints, including a podcast that he'll tell you about. He's also got a very unique uh, new online uh, sports angled venture, a, a great content piece called Aaron's E R R A N D S Aaron's that I want him to tell us more about here in a little bit. Uh, Tyler Jones is also with me. Tyler Jones live in the Midwest. Uh, love me some Tyler with the insight on all things, big 12, Kansas, Kansas city chiefs. And he's headed up to Omaha, moving to Omaha as we speak in the month of January. Again, uh, guys, for your benefit and for the audience's benefit, if they're only hearing us on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, come find the YouTube roundtable, search three dog Thursday, see what we look like. Tyler, one more comment because urban Meyer won national championships in this century at two schools, Florida, Ohio State. How much more credit do we give to Saban that he's won them not only at, at one place, but was at LSU before that? And you could really even argue had Michigan State uh, at least Big Ten relevant, top 25 relevant. He's been at three places and done it. How much more credit do we give him, Tyler? Oh, we, we ought to give him as much credit as humanly possible. Even the NFL time that he had with the Miami Dolphins, people like to rewrite history. Saban didn't fail at the Dolphins. He left for a better job in a 10-win season there. I mean, if, if he would have stuck it out and brought in Drew Brees, I think he'd still be in Miami right now, in all honesty. So um, the coaching career of, of uh, Nick Saban is second to none. I love what he's done. And, you know, that LSU team, you know, they'd be an Oklahoma team that was the dominant force at that point, that Oklahoma was the team to beat. They were the powerhouse at that point, dating back to their 2000 national championship and what they've done. So uh, nothing is too big for uh, Nick Saban, Saban to accomplish. I, I feel like maybe we're underutilizing him. Maybe he needs to be some world leader of some sorts because uh, obviously he knows something that we don't. <laughs> how to solve how to solve things how to how to uh, win friends and influence people in the state of Alabama uh, for sure and it is it's staggering to look at the number of first and second round picks in his tenure at Alabama the total is like over 45 of them there are a lot of programs that brag about having like 10 or a dozen in a coach's tenure every year at Alabama it seems like there's seven or eight and, he, and he's now up in the 40s and, and, and even the uh, the high 40s on the number of first and second round picks. It's incredible, uh, the level of talent. All right, enough of the Alabama love fest. Let's move on. Uh, put, go right back to Tyler Jones. I will put this up on the screen uh, here for all to see. There they are, the defending world champion Chiefs and one Patrick Mahomes. We're taking a look as they eagerly get ready uh, for action with the Cleveland Browns in the divisional round of the AFC playoffs. Chiefs with a bye week last week. Watch the Browns upset the Steelers last week, Tyler, as you know. All right, give me the feel in and around Kansas City as they look to repeat with Mahomes there at the top. Uh, what do you have to say here about the Chiefs? Well, this matchup is two quarterbacks that know each other very well between Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Uh, Patrick actually was uh, was on his recruiting visit to Texas Tech, his, his host – was Baker Mayfield there at Texas Tech. That's how far back these guys go. 
And if you recall, they had one of the most exciting games in Big 12 history when Baker was at Oklahoma and Patrick was at Texas Tech. And so uh, with the Big 12 style of offenses that we've seen from the Browns and the Chiefs both, we're expecting to see a shootout on Sunday between these two teams. And for the Chiefs, I think the key is going to be to stop the run game for the Cleveland Browns. Make Baker Mayfield beat you. And the Chiefs have struggled stopping the run all season long. They're 31st in the National Football League in rush defense. So that's going to be a big key. Also, you know, just that pass rush as a whole with those defensive linemen, you know, the, the last two seasons, not this year, but the two previous, the Chiefs led the league in sacks with all the money that they're paying Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Alex Okafor and company. The Chiefs were expecting some high production out of them this year, but the defensive line really struggled. There was a drop-off this year. They weren't getting their money's worth. They played better towards the last few weeks of the season. So that's the big task for the Chiefs is, is your defensive line going to come through? Because uh, their defensive line is ultimately going to be what gets them to the next round or not. We know what we're going to get from Patrick Mahomes. It's a matter of if that defensive line can step up like we know they're capable of. And Tyler has seen the Chiefs in person at Arrowhead. Mike and I have each seen them in person. I saw them back in November uh, at Raymond James Stadium when they throttled the Bucks. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving, as Mike knows, in the first quarter of the game. Mike, you saw them in December then right after that uh, in the Superdome. Uh, say a little more, not just a dynamic offense, but to Tyler's point, they've been pretty opportunistic on defense along with it. What, what about the Chiefs here and their chances to at least get back to the Super Bowl? What do you think, Mike? Yeah, they're great chances, obviously. I think the thing about the Chiefs, and Tyler may agree or disagree with this, I just think their biggest problem is do they get bored of beating people up? Because it looks like at times that Patrick Mahomes, he makes it look so easy out there, and they've dominated so much. It just seems like they know they can come back at any time, and they've showed that this season no matter what the circumstance is, especially against the Falcons this year, they really had the Falcons had them on the ropes, but then Mahomes just methodically comes back and they win that game. So yeah, defensively, I, I agree with Tyler and everything he said about some of their shortcomings, but not many shortcomings on this football team. I think their biggest obstacle when you try to repeat, obviously you have, you know, some of that carryover, hangover type thing when you win a Super Bowl. But I, I wonder if they're bored Tyler, because and be, when you play with fire that many times, too, does it get a team like that in trouble? Because they know they can bail themselves out every time. Pretty and much. let's also put it this way. That's a good point. But let's put it this way. They didn't play last week, so they've been waiting to play. And Cleveland did play in a wild game. How much credence do you put into that for both the Chiefs and really the Packers? They have the same thing hosting the Rams, which we'll talk a little more about uh, towards the end here. But for the teams that didn't play, uh, is that a disadvantage a little bit, Tyler? What's What say you here? Well, Andy Reid is the best coach in the league when it comes to coming off a of bye week. So I don't think that's a problem for the Chiefs. We did see with the Ravens last year, they were playing red hot going into the postseason, had that bye week, and then the Titans came in and punched them in the mouth a bit. So point. it really just depends on the team. You know, I wasn't going to come here without some numbers. And please. here's what I want to look at with the Chiefs. Please clean this uh, show up as- and bring some stats and info, please. Yes. When, when, when you say that the Chiefs may be playing down their competition or getting bored, remember, they have led in the fourth quarter against the playoff teams that they uh, have beaten this year by 10 points or more in all four of those games. Mahomes' completion percentage was 70% in all four of those games. His touchdown to interception ratio was 12 to nothing. His quarterback <laughs> rating was 118.6. And even in the non-playoff teams – 
10 and 1, 26 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio, 104.2 quarterback rating. They were garbage time touchdowns that these teams were able to score to make them closer than what they appear. TJ was there firsthand. The Chiefs dominated the Bucs. That score was not indicative of how much they, how well they played. Andy Reid, I've said all season long, is holding something back. They're playing about 70 to 80% what they're capable of. I think they're really going to unleash the Kraken on uh, their opponents here the next few weeks. <laughs> and there's a phrase that we that we can't get out of our heads right now over the last couple of months, uh, crossing over to politics. Um, okay, so uh, we have a lot about that game, obviously. Um, and again, the other AFC matchup, as Tyler alluded to, that still has the Ravens alive uh, with Buffalo. We'll get to that. I mentioned uh, the Packers and the Rams, but my neighbors, let's get into it. Let's get real here. I've got the Buccaneer hat on. First of all, I should say to the audience, I've got the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning shirt on. I'm going to frame the camera down a little bit more there. I've got the Stanley Cup shirt on uh, here because at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday in the podcast, the Lightning are playing their first uh, game of the new season, the 21 season. It's the 2021 season. It's uh, getting underway into bizarre circumstances. No fans at the at the opening games at most arena, including at most arenas, including in in Tampa Bay. So, uh, Mike, we've been through this before. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup back 16 years ago, and then had to wait like a year because of the lockout. They didn't play for a whole year before we had the ceremony. Now we've had to wait a little extra time, and now there's no fans there, and apparently they're not going to raise the banner and do all that yet until they have fans there. So this is crazy, but just a little hockey talk, real quick, Mike Neighbors. Well, it's amazing. I used to work for the Lightning around that time when they won the Stanley Cup and a great organization. And I understand for TV purposes why you probably need to lift the banner up. But you know how great the organization is. When the fans are allowed to go back in, they'll do something special for the fans. But I'm wondering if the Lightning win and they repeat this year, I'm going to brace myself. There's going to be something weird to happen after the season because we've seen it twice now. It's got to keep happening. It's a trend, right? Yeah, it, it has been it has been wild. Um, although somebody did point out the next year stuff. Have you guys heard this while we just digress for one second about Toronto, that Toronto won a Stanley Cup right before World War One and the pandemic began in the 1900s. And then uh, what was it? The uh, the Blue Jays win. I, I think the next year was something else. I can't remember. And then obviously the Raptors victory is the pandemic again. So the, between the hockey team, the baseball team and the basketball team, they're like, look out world. Whenever one of them wins was the whole point in Toronto. I, maybe it was the was it the Major League Baseball strike after the Blue Jays won? And I think it was. They had the Blue the Blue Jays repeated, and then they had the strike the following year where they couldn't have the chance at the three peat. Maybe that's what yeah, it was. Good good memory you know, on that. It's we, crazy we all for Toronto people during the, these times. But yeah, I feel for the hockey players who can't enjoy. I mean, you know, they they had a boat parade, but it wasn't the same as mingling with people, high five and fans. It's it's tough to watch that because you know every champion deserves uh, everything that goes with it. Well, and yeah. a similar thing here, Kansas, uh, you know, my Jayhawks, I think, are the national champions of college basketball uh, by, by default. <laughs> uh, they have done nothing to recognize last year's team. I, I, whether you want to call them national champs or not, I want to see a banner up in Allen Fieldhouse that recognizes them as the undisputed number one team of the country. Find a way to recognize those. So did team. they do a Big 12 thing, though? I, I'm unclear. Did they do a Big 12 thing at Fog Allen Fieldhouse? Because they won the Big 12 regular right. season, they've right? They never nothing. played the tournament. They've done nothing. They said that day will come eventually, but they've done nothing to this point. You know, if UCF would have won anything during the pandemic, they'd be having all kinds of stuff. <laughs> National championship hats and the list goes on UCF. and on, right? 
Right, right for them. Uh, there's for a lot of them. All right. Uh, okay, so let's get to the main event here now that we've talked about other things. Uh, Mike, I'm going to share the screen here uh, with the audience and show them what you're up to because you're obviously close to everything going on with the New Orleans Saints. You were covering last week's playoff win over the Bears. You always have post-game conversation with Drew Brees that we're watching on screen here on the YouTube roundtable through your duties with Cox Sports Television. There's Mike and Drew Brees up on the screen having a little post-game chat after the win over the Bears. Here we go. Saints-Buccaneers, third meeting of the year. Uh, the the Saints, the, the word is embarrassed. It's the right word. The Saints embarrassed the Bucs in November on national TV with a 31-0 halftime lead and a blowout win. So now, we, now here we go with number three. Tell me what you saw out of the Saints game last week with Chicago and what you expect to carry over from that game, if you would, Mike. Well, first of all, I was really excited about that second matchup in Ray J Stadium, mm -hmm. and we were let down. I don't think we're going to be let down this time. I think we're going to get a much better game. But what I saw, TJ, against the Bears last week in the Superdome was the Saints defense that I still feel like nationally doesn't get enough credit. Nationally, when you think of the narrative with the Saints, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, high-powered offense, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, but the defense has carried the New Orleans Saints – in all their glory the last couple of years, when Teddy Bridgewater filled in last year and they went 5-0, and Bridgewater was great, but the defense was the story. Same with Taysom Hill this year. He steps in for Drew Brees, goes 3-1. and It was the defense. They could have easily shut out the Chicago Bears. Now, the Bears, you know, they dropped that touchdown pass and that great gadget play, but later on, Taysom Hill turned the ball over and the Bears were poised to score. The defense held them to a field goal Really, they could have shut them out if they didn't turn the ball over and you still had to drop pass. And they did it all without their best defensive lineman this season, Trey Hendrickson, who has led them in three, with 13 and a half sacks. So I think he's likely to be back this week against the Bucs. And when you look at this game, I know we'll kind of break it down. I think in the NFL, some teams just match up well against others. Like I think the Bucs match up well against the Packers. I think a lot of the Saints faithful were hoping the Bucs would go up there and take care of Green Bay and they could wait on that Bucs matchup for the championship game and not have to go to Green Bay. But now, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I do think this Bucs defense really matches up well. I mean, the Saints defense matches up well against this Bucs offense. They have the DBs that can cover all the weapons, a wide receiver and a tight end. And that defensive line is arguably the best in the NFL, TJ. And I think we it's going to cause the Bucs offensive line some fits. All right. And so that and that's been the case really the last two years under Bruce Arians is the Saints pass rush and pressure has caused problems. We're again seeing your interview on Cox Sports Television with Drew Brees. You guys talk to him after every game that that's the most intriguing part of this matchup. Everybody nationally is talking about Brees against Tom Brady. Brees, as he mentioned in this interview, turns 42 years young on Friday night. Brady already 43 years of age. We got 85 years worth of quarterback playing Sunday night. Two certain Hall of Famers. Mike, give me one more comment because you have such insight on Brees, which again, we're in a, we're in a time frame here where if they lose in the playoffs, is that it for him? or not, which could happen this week, could happen somewhere down the road. But give me some insight, because you've been around Breeze for, for the better part of 15 years. Well, health-wise, I think he is much better than he was a couple weeks ago. The proof, and I didn't agree with this, late in the ball game, the game is in hand. He tries to go up and over in the goal line against the Chicago Bears. He doesn't get it, which is the first time I've ever seen Breeze not get it on that play. But he told me afterwards, he told Sean Payton, I can make it. Now, he's 
really careful with his body right now. He knows this is probably his last run. And I do think he will retire after the season, win or lose against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he almost retired after last season, had a great chat with him at the Pro Bowl a year ago. TV networks really wanted him. They were bidding for him. But his teammates took him aside and said, listen, we have all the pieces in place to make one more run and keep this team together. And I think that's what kept him in New Orleans. But I would be shocked win or lose if he doesn't retire after the season. But as I mentioned, I think he feels better and we'll see how that contributes to the game this week because he, he looked as good as he has coming off the rib injury against the bears in the playoffs. All right. Fair enough on that. Let's move on to a possible underdog prediction. It is three dog Thursday and the underdogs. I think you understand where the allegiances lie here with Mike covering the saints with me, uh, with the bucks. I even neighbors have the super bowl champions hat, uh, for good mojo in the shot back here. Uh, you know, just to try to bring out some good vibes here for the bucks. All right. So Tyler Jones, uh, we're going to get a free plug in for our sponsors at WinBet. Uh, again, uh, we've told you already about WinBet earlier in the podcast. You get a $500 risk-free uh, bet with WinBet. They are sponsors on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows, which we're affiliated with. Let's take a look at the lines for the underdog possibilities for this weekend. Tyler, I want you first. We're looking at the WinBook lines here on the Three Dog Thursday Roundtable right in the middle. The, uh, the first game has the Rams getting seven at Green Bay. Game time temperature, not as bad as what had been forecast earlier. It's probably going to be in the 20s for kickoff. Uh, not like it's going to be 75, but it's going to be in the 20s. LA is still going to be cold. Buffalo playing that night, hosting Baltimore, laying the two and a half points. Lamar Jackson and company probably playing in snow. They're, they're talking about an accumulation of maybe a half inch to an inch of snow for Baltimore getting two points. The Browns, I don't think Tyler's taking the 10 with Cleveland. Maybe you do think they'll hang in with Kansas City, but that's a 10-point spread for the Chiefs at home. And the Buccaneers right now on the win bet line getting three midweek at New Orleans, which seems fair with the home field advantage, uh, et cetera. All right, Tyler, you're looking at all of those lines. Uh, I don't think you're going to take the Browns. Out of the other three, which one stands out as a possible underdog? Well, the, uh, the underdogs did pretty good last week uh, against the spread in these NFL playoff games. But, um, you know, I, I like Buffalo over Baltimore. I think they take care of business. Uh, I don't think two and a half is too much there. But the, the game that intrigues me, I guess I get to be the deciding vote between you two, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is the Bucks at three points. I think the Saints could still win this by just one or two, and that wouldn't be crazy here. Um, that's what I'm looking at is that three point margin. I, I think that the Bucks are a whole lot better football team than the previous two meetings. The Saints are playing better themselves too, even with Drew Brees not at full strength. Everyone else around him has come together. You look back at that game on Christmas Day against the Vikings, Brees did not play well, and everyone else was just phenomenal. Uh, it, it's something else what the uh Saints are doing right now, but. With the way the, the Bucs have improved or coming together, I like the Bucs within that three-point margin to uh, to make it interesting. Hard to beat a team three times, too. Uh, no doubt. And Alvin Kamara scoring six touchdowns on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Mike Neighbors, do you own a pair of green and red cleats the same way that Kamara does? Do you often pull those out you know, in and around the holiday time right now? Was he stealing from your fashion mojo, Kamara? You know, he, he's an originator. He knows better than that. I do not. But I, I will say this. Tyler brought the stats. This is my favorite stat when it comes to the Saints and the Bucks. Since 1970, 
21 times a team has beat another team twice during the regular season. And in terms of beating them three times, it actually favors the team that has won twice 14 times. They have gone on to beat them three times, only seven times have they not done it. So I was surprised by that stat because I agree. I think a lot of this stuff goes away when the game starts. You know, you don't remember, oh, we lost to them. You're, you're focusing on the game. But I think preparing – and I, I also think the longer this goes, you get momentum. The Saints get momentum. Oh, we, we got these guys three times. I think there's different levels of it, but I think a lot of it's overrated. But I was surprised by that stat because if you would have asked me, I would have thought maybe it's harder than that. Okay, and it's a good point, and I was bringing up that very stat earlier in the podcast before you came on. The last three situations, it has favored, exactly as you said, the team playing to go 3-0, and the team that won the previous two games, including you were there for the Saints beating the Carolina Panthers exactly. three years ago yep. for the third time in the Superdome. The last time is the 07 New York Giants. Eli Manning, Plaxico Burris, Michael Strahan, Tom Coughlin, they beat the Dallas Cowboys when the Cowboys had beaten them both regular season meetings. They went on to win that game, the NFC title game at Favre and Green Bay in the frozen tundra in overtime, and then beat the 18-0 and Patriots in the Super Bowl. Who knows what's going to happen out but, of Brady but DJ, and Breeze. It's just interesting. The one outlier here, all those stats were thrown out. It's never happened to Tom Brady. It's never that's happened true. to him. So and, and that's what makes the game Well, and, uh, and keep in mind here, no matter what happens, you're sitting in on the oldest quarterback to lead a team to the NFC Championship game, much less the Super Bowl, either one of them that gets that. How about that? That's what's riding on, on this as well. we got to get out of here in a moment or two. Mike, I'm going to go back uh, to the screen here. Did you have an underdog that you liked out of Cleveland uh, getting the 10? Again, we're looking on screen on the YouTube roundtable. Baltimore getting the two and a half or the Rams. The Rams, I don't know with Goff's thumb and the and the frozen conditions, can they run it well enough? Can their deep, they got a good defense. Is that seven maybe too much? Or maybe, Mike, you're going to pass on all the underdogs for this weekend. I think all of them are tough. Aaron Donald's intriguing in the Green Bay game because I think if he's on, that could be a better game for the Rams. I know everybody who's a Saints fan obviously wants the Rams to win that game for two reasons. They'll get potentially if they beat the Bucs, the NFC Championship game at home, and maybe not a no call this time. We'll actually get to beat the Rams and then advance to the Super Bowl, and that'd be kind of sweet revenge for them. I think out of all those, I'd pick Baltimore. I think Baltimore is a good football team, and I think Buffalo is still that team on the come a little bit, still learning how to win in the playoffs. So if I had any of those, I'd pick the Ravens probably. That Josh Allen has looked fantastic, yeah. and we'll yeah, see if yeah. that continues against a good Baltimore defense in that game. Let me get some plugs in for my fellows before we get out of here on uh, the YouTube roundtable. Uh, in talking with these guys, uh, I love Tyler Jones. There he is at Tyler Jones Live. We're seeing that on screen right now. Follow him at Tyler Jones Live, and again, local news live will be coming out. Uh, what, the 20th, correct, of yes. January. So wait uh, wait about another week from the time that we're taping right now and local news live, and you'll be part of that, Tyler Jones. Yes, uh, we're launching in about a week. Uh, Going to be available on all your streaming devices uh, for free. So certainly check us out coming up in about a week from now. And in the meantime, uh, check out the Jones Report. Yes, the Jones Report is the podcast and uh, does a great job with that. Find it anywhere that you find podcasts on the Jones Report. Does a post-game report after the weekend games, previews everything that's going on 
football. You're going to morph it into hoops. Even though he's going to Omaha, he's still going to be all over Kansas hoops. That's for sure with the Jones report. Mike Neighbors, you find him right here. Follow him at Mike Neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S, if you're only hearing us on social media. Uh, I love the Aaron's. E-R-R-A-N-D-S concept that you have. Tell us more about that. You've got errands that you've been running errands with all kinds of people, including New Orleans Saints, like in the football season. You ride around in the car and you run errands with them, right, Mike? Yeah, as you know, it's hard to get to know sports personalities before COVID when we had press conferences in person, when we had one-on-one interviews. So I wanted to get to know them better. So my mission was to get to know them via running errands with them. They get to control the whole shoot. We pick three errands, sometimes two errands, depending on how much time we have. And, you know, the errands are great. Every episode conversations we have in between the errands, we launched it with Dick Vitale, who was excellent. And he helped us get uh, noticed around the country. The Saints liked it. They signed us to a deal. We've done 14 episodes with the New Orleans Saints. We've made it work during COVID. We did Archie Manning back in August. We both wore masks in the car. He took me all around New Orleans, driving around New Orleans with Archie Manning for two and a half hours was something I'll never forget. We've done Morton Anderson. We just taped our most recent one with Garrett Hartley. He had that big kick, of course, to take the Saints to the Super Bowl back in 2009. Sure. The Saints like the concept. We're going to move forward with more. And we're uh, talking to universities about doing this and cable companies around the country. So it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate the plug. Pretty cool. For Aaron's, E-R-R-A-N-D-S, is the name of that show with Mike Neighbors. Guys, you've done a great job hanging out with me here on Three Dog Thursday. We'll see what happens uh, on the Sunday big day. Tyler's locked in on the Chiefs with the upstart Cleveland Browns who had not won a playoff game since speaking of of Nick Saban. He was the defensive coordinator and Bill Belichick was the head coach back in 1994, the 94 season, the January 95 playoffs is the last time the Browns had won a playoff game. Now they come back around to play the chiefs bucks. Hadn't won a playoff game. Mike neighbors since the super bowl in San Diego. Now they got one and they'll play the saints. Both of those games on Sunday, boys. Thank you. I appreciate you hanging out on three dog Thursday. Good luck with all of your endeavors. I appreciate your time here. Let's hope we have some exciting games this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Enjoy it. Looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. And our senior handicapper from MajorWager.com, Brian Edwards, is coming back straight ahead here on Three Dog Thursday. Indeed, he is rejoining us from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Always love the insight of Brian Edwards. And we should make mention last week amongst uh, all of the road teams pulling off victories in the first ever Super Wildcard Weekend with six different wildcard games instead of the four that we've usually had. That Brian Edwards kept saying, Washington football team will hang in. Washington football team will hang in. And they did with my Buccaneers. Even though they got the win, you got the cover from a Taylor Heineke who acquitted himself well, especially with his wheels in the second half Woo! of that game. I was all over the L.A. Rams against the Seahawks. So, again, uh, the Rams go and get the win in Seattle. So, if you were listening to us, you got a couple of underdogs right off of this podcast on Three Dog Thursday. That's the whole idea. So, Brian, again, uh, just a thought or two on last weekend, including, again, four road teams winning uh, between the Rams, the Bucks, the Ravens defeating the Titans, and then obviously Cleveland with that amazing first quarter where the, where the Steelers 
Good Lord, four turnovers in the first quarter and fall behind 28-0. Too big a hole, too big a crater to get out of. Road team won four times, and Cleveland got the outright win. Forget about just the cover. So the dogs, the dogs had a day uh, last weekend with four of them covering. Yeah, well, first off, Frank Reich, um, first guessing you, not second guessing you. When you have the lead on the road uh, before halftime and it's fourth and goal at the four, you kick the field goal and, and you lose by three when you could have had an easy three. You know, if it would have been fourth and goal inside the one or in, inside the one, I'm with you. Inside the two, I'm like, maybe, I don't know, but the, the four, that was just stupid. Right. Then the night game, Heineke, what a competitor, what a baller just in terms of effort and, and you know, getting the most out of his skills. And, uh, yeah, that was my only cover of the weekend, unfortunately, because Tennessee laid an egg. Congrats to Lamar Jackson. Got the postseason monkey off his back. And then just what a just dismal, dismal showing uh, by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they barely got my plus 18 and a half in game. I mean, (laughs) at 28 to nothing, I was just like, I have to in-game this. I have to. I mean, come on. It's still the first And then Roethlisberger ends up breaking the playoff records for attempts, for completions, and for yards in a playoff game after they were behind 28-0, but couldn't come all the way back. And then I'm just, I was thinking this. I did not text you while it was going on last Sunday night. I was just glad you cashed those regular season tickets that you kept preaching about right? for the over total <laughs> and for the Steelers to win the North because that was painful painful to watch against Cleveland in the first Browns playoff win since Bill Clinton's first term as president back in the 1990s um, with Bill Belichick as the coach, as we were saying in the last segment. I- incredible for uh, for Cleveland. They got one uh, again for the, the Buccaneers. They got one. And even for the Buffalo Bills, they had not won a playoff game again going back to 1995, also Bill Clinton's first term since they had won a playoff game. There were a lot of teams that got off the schneid on getting playoff wins last weekend, and that's what uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, that's for sure. And again, the underdog uh, had its way. All right, so that transitions us to the games that are coming for this weekend. And let's go over them again. The Saturday opener is the Rams at the Packers, with the Rams getting seven uh, in that one, in that showdown at um, at Lambeau, and again, the, the advantage for the Rams, they've already played a game at Seattle and won. Meanwhile, Green Bay waiting. Brian, we've seen this upset at times in the divisional round where the hot team that played a game the week before uh, ends up uh, pulling off an upset. So again, Rams getting seven in that matchup. The other Saturday game um, as well is the Buffalo matchup with the Ravens. Buffalo laying the two and a half. Snow in the forecast. We'll wait to see, but snow in the forecast. Cold 20-degree temperature. How will Lamar Jackson do or not do? And then on Sunday, the Chiefs are the early game with the Browns as a double-figure favorite, as we were documenting with with, uh, Tyler Jones in the last segment on the uh, the YouTube roundtable on Three Dog Thursday. And then my Buccaneers and Saints for the third time with the Saints as the field goal favorite, the three-point traditional home favorite in the divisional round in the third meeting, having won the first two. All right, so uh, where do you want to roll the sleeves up for this weekend? Do you like the possibility of an underdog here this weekend? Yeah, I'll go with Cleveland uh, plus 
the 10, uh, they've only lost by more than 10 twice this season. That was week one at Baltimore and week six at Pittsburgh. And Kansas City is mired in a one and seven against the spread slump. And, and during that eight game stretch, they have not won a football game by more than six points once. So they're not, they haven't been winning by seven, much less more than 10, uh, which is our number as we record here on Wednesday. And as a double-digit chalk this year, KC is two and four against the spread uh, at home this season. They're three and five against the spread. Um, you look at the Browns; their last six road games, they've won outright five times. Mm. The lone defeat uh, being at the Jets, when you know that because of the contact tracing, their whole wide receiver room was was out basically, um, and so you know they were very very limited and shorthanded in that game. And this is just wild. The, those last six road games that I'm referencing for Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, 16 to 1 TDI and T ratio. And regardless of venue, the last 11 games for the Browns, Baker Mayfield, 19 to 2 TDI and T ratio, whereas Mahomes throw, has thrown four picks in the last three games. So I like Cleveland plus the 10. They're playing extremely well and they are brimming with confidence. And uh, I think they will play KC very tight, and the Chiefs will get all they want and then some. I was going to make mention, too, the Rams and the Packers have played each other before in the postseason. Now, the last meeting was when the Rams were in St. Louis playing Green Bay. NFC Championship. Correct. And so the other three matchups, though, Buffalo-Baltimore, this KC-Cleveland game, the New Orleans-Tampa Bay game, they've never played each other in the playoffs, ever. And obviously, Baltimore's only been in existence for 25 years moving from Cleveland. Uh, but still, they've never played each other in the postseason. So this is the first time ever in your game, and you're one that you're honing in on, on Browns, Chiefs, for any previous reference point. Uh, interesting, Mahomes 3-1 and one all-time at Arrowhead in playoff games over the previous two postseasons. And in every victory, uh, in every postseason victory that he has had, they've won by at least 11. But you're saying, hey, that trend for this year is much less on margin of victory. All right, I will pose this to you because Mike Neighbors brought it up. Mike Neighbors of Cox Sports TV in our last segment was in the Superdome a couple of weeks ago where the Chiefs did defeat the New Orleans Saints late in the year. But he said, I, I watched their games, including the one that I saw in person, and they look bored at times. They do sloppy things because Mahomes looks bored at times. What do you say to that? Uh, do you buy into that a little bit, and that may make it more advantageous for keep, for Cleveland to keep it close, if not threaten the Chiefs? Well, you know, perhaps it is a boredom thing, and maybe they can flip the switch. You know, that you know, great teams can do that. I mean, I, I know in you know NBA all the time. You know, you have an elite team going a West Coast trip, and you're just like, man, they, these guys are out partying. They're not worried about this. They'll, they'll be ready for the playoffs. You know, maybe there was some of that going on with KC this year. Maybe they're ready to flip the switch. You know, maybe they have uh, really buckled down and started working really hard here the last couple of weeks or, or maybe they're just not as good as they were last year. Mm. We're, I guess we're going to find out uh, this weekend and, and moving forward if they advance. 
voice of Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider. We're making a couple of underdog uh, leans or predictions here for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs before we get out of here on Three Dog Thursday. Brian, with me for a few more moments. And, and look, I'm not suggesting, I'm not being foolish. You know, look at me. I'm attention-seeking as a as a host, and I've done this for so long. I'm not looking to have people say, oh, well, you know, he just is trying to get attention and get clicks and get listens, saying they're, they're bored. Uh, you know, Mike was saying that before. Here's what I think can happen, though. When you, as you mentioned, when you are so talented, you can almost be nonchalant earlier in the game, and you're not as uh, much attention to detail. This is not that big of a possession because it's only the second quarter, that kind of thing. And you kind of watch them at the end of the year, especially like in that Atlanta game. That, that that's exactly what it looked like. Hey, we can beat these guys in the second half. I don't. It doesn't matter that we're punting here in the second quarter or in the third quarter. It doesn't matter that we didn't get that third down conversion and we're punting again. Or Mahomes threw an interception. Oh, it's not that big a deal. We still got the fourth quarter. That can get you beat in a one-game scenario, especially if Cleveland sure. gets rolling. That's the point that I'm making here. One more from you. Um, I don't think we can say enough. The Browns without Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, who could have no contact with him for in-game adjustments, for changing anything around. What an amazing performance, first of all, on the road anyway. But to not have their head coach, we can't overstate. That was pretty remarkable. to, to hang, Especially when it started going bad in the second half and they didn't have him there and they still held together. That says a lot for that team, for the assistance and everything that they held in. Yeah, man, they didn't they didn't flinch whatsoever. And Mike Tomlin not going for it on fourth and one was one of the dumbest in game oh. coaching moves I've ever seen in my life. And then he's not he's going for two when he didn't have to, and then the next touchdown when they can cut it to eleven, he doesn't <laughs> he an extra point. I mean, it's just like, what are you doing, right. Mike Tomlin? Yeah, some of it did not make uh, a lot of sense. Uh, honestly, I'm not going to touch either one of the Saturday games. I would think the Rams have the better chance of the two road teams between them and Baltimore, although Baltimore did beat Buffalo head-to-head in Buffalo a year ago. For what it's worth, basically same coaching staffs, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, one less year of experience, and he's really blossomed this year. But I, I don't really like either one of them. I think the Rams with their defense might have the better chance to beat Green Bay, but I think Rodgers and the Packers are e-ticketed for the uh, for the upcoming a championship game in the NFC. I am going to stand behind the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S Go Bucks in in this matchup with uh, the New Orleans Saints for these two reasons. Tom Brady is playing lights out. I don't want to hear any more about caliber of competition. It's going to step up big time, obviously. But guess what? The New Orleans Saints haven't played a quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, please. Yeah, they played Mahomes a couple of weeks ago, but but playing Teddy Bridgewater and P.J. Walker in the season finale uh, against Carolina, following that with Mitch Trubisky and the Bears, that is not the same thing as playing the future Hall of Famer on the first ballot, Tom Brady. And I think the Bucks will be locked in on offense. If they don't turn the ball over, which was the big factor all the way back in week one in the Superdome, he had two interceptions, including a pick six. They also fumbled a kickoff and gave the Saints an easy touchdown. No turnovers and a fairly clean game with penalties. They're going to have a great chance to win in the fourth quarter. So at the risk of being labeled a total homer, a total sellout, I'm going to go with the Bucks to get the road win. If you're looking for a reference point, Brady only rarely played in the divisional round on the road. How about this stat, Brian Edwards? This is the first time since 2006, 2006, that Tom Brady has been on the road in the divisional round of the playoffs. And that was an upset win against 14-2 San Diego Chargers with LaDainian Tomlinson 
at running back. Ah. That that was the Remember last time, game. right, that they were on the road in this round of the playoffs. And you know Brady remembers that. No Gronkowski. But still, it, it's a reference point for him. No team has ever beaten him three times in a season. We said that earlier. We shall see. But I'll, I'll take the Buccaneers. I'll, I'll take my guys here to get it done and get back to the NFC Championship game, which would be for the fourth time in franchise history if that happens. If the Bucs can get that win over the Saints, uh, we shall see if it does. All right, any closing thoughts here about the divisional round weekend? This time next week, we will know the final four teams bidding for Super Bowl 55 right here in Tampa, not far from where I'm sitting and hosting this podcast with you, Brian. Any final thoughts here about these games this weekend or what intrigues you? Yeah, I, I lean toward the Bucks. I mean, Brady, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season, and Tom Brady – the GOAT has never, ever been beaten three times yep. in one season. Now, you know, there are some stats that kind of scare me. Lay it on me. You've been tweeting about it. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. <laughs> when Breeze and Brady have squared off, Breeze is 5-2 and two, uh, in seven meetings, and Brady's got a 9-11 to 11 TDINT ratio in those games, and Breeze has a 20-1 to one TDINT ratio in those games. And the Saints outscored the Bucks 72-26 to 26 this year, but – I still lean the Bucks, nevertheless. And then with the total, you know, you talked about the snow in Buffalo. It's, it's a 50% chance of snow at Orchard Park. But uh, we're not going to get snow at Lambeau. Now it's going to be temperatures in the uh, high teens and 9 to 10-mile-an-hour winds. But, look, the, the over 45.5 is appealing to me, even though the under is on – uh, a huge 11-3 uh, to 3 run for the Rams. But this is the third lowest total the Packers have seen all year. Twice they saw a total of 44. And in those two games, 43-34 to 34 at Minnesota, 41-25 versus Chicago, the over hit by 55 combined points. And in 14 of Green Bay's 16 games this year, they've had 46 points or more. So I'm going to go with the over there. I'm leaning bucks. Uh, I think bad weather and snow probably favors the Ravens. Uh, would they, they probably want to run it a little more. Uh, but I'm going to pass on that game and hope one team gets out to a 10 to nothing or 14 nothing lead and look to end game either squad catching more than a touchdown as a dog. Love that. And, and again, one more time before we get out of here, this is the most bizarre of circumstances we've really ever seen, especially in the modern NFL without the home field advantage and the home crowd. Perfect example. That Superdome would be frothing Sunday right. with 75,000 yeah. people. Brian, I've been there, as you know, field level over and over again, regular season game after regular season game, never obviously for a postseason game with the Bucks, not having ever played the Saints in the postseason. But you're talking about you can't hear the person next to you. You're talking about you can't yeah. change the play verbally. You're talking about offensive linemen jumping off sides because they can't hear the snap count, you know, false starts, etc. You can't get everybody on the same page. You have to burn timeouts. None of that is relevant in any of the games, especially in New Orleans, especially yeah. at Lambeau where it would be rocking, especially at Arrowhead. At Arrowhead, again, they're going to have about 15,000, but that's not going to be enough to make it deafening for Mayfield and the Browns. You just don't have that this year. And I think it is part, it is not the only thing, but it is part of why the road teams had so much success last week with four of them winning. And it would not surprise me Beyond just the Buccaneers, if we see another upset, I'm not calling it here, we might see two more road teams win this weekend 
and I think it is part of the discussion. Your your final thought on that on the uh, the lack of crowd? Yeah, no question. I think that's another reason why I lean to the Bucks because there is the, the no crowd. I actually two nights before Alabama bageled LSU uh, in January 2012, the national title. I was. Uh, actually in uh, Mickey and Melanie Loomis's uh, box uh, for uh, Saints beating the Megatron, Stafford, and the Lions. And, yes, it was extremely yes. uh, loud in there. And, uh, yeah, so that, and that's a, certainly in Orchard Park, it would, be, it would be roaring as well. So that's the advantage, Ravens, and all the road teams. It's a good point you make. Yep, and, again, the Bills, I mean, could you imagine if they had 70,000 there like they sure. did back in the 90s? For this game Saturday night, they're going to have about 6,000. It's not the same. They're at home, but it ain't the same on that one. Listen, you have done such a great job, uh, once again, of giving us all the breakdown. Plug away for the fans as the weekend starts to unfold. They're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday, but as Thursday becomes Friday, etc. You're going to be all over the injury information, the trends, etc. Tell them how they can find all of your great information one more time, Brian. Uh, yeah, on Twitter, I'm at, at Vegas B. Edwards. Uh, we got a big Conor McGregor fight coming up in two Saturdays. So I'll have a big UFC preview on VegasInsider.com next week. You can find all my picks on VegasInsider.com. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at TwitVI. And uh, enjoyed it, TJ. Thanks for having me, and uh, good luck to you and your listeners with all your picks this weekend. We'll see how they do, and we'll see how my Buccaneers do. One thing's for sure, Brian, as I said, we'll know the four remaining NFL teams next week, the four teams vying for Super Bowl 55, and what will happen in that historic 43-year-old Tom Brady, and then he turns 42 on Friday night, as we were saying, 42-year-old Drew Brees battling it out for a spot in the NFC Championship game on Sunday night. There might be two or three people watching that game on Fox, I would think, Sunday night. We look forward to it. Brian, thank you. Great stuff as always, my friend. My thanks also to Mike Neighbors of Cox Sports TV, Tyler Jones of uh, of the Jones Report, the podcast, and his new uh, television endeavor with the great television 24-hour outlet uh, there out of Omaha, Nebraska. We love Tyler's insight as well on the YouTube roundtable. Find that on the YouTube roundtable. And however you found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their next their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe to Three Dog Thursday on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Google Podcast. Jump aboard, subscribe, and it comes automatically to you. The doggies shall continue this weekend. Will there be more underdog upsets in the NFL? Let's find out. We're back to talk about it next week on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.